Welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. As always, with me, Mac Schaefer. Hello! I'm Selena. <laughs> How are you today, Mac? Uh, not so bad. I'm, uh, that's my first day off in a couple of days, so... Living the high here, Drinking my tea. We're recording... Tonight we're recording in my living room because our producer, Mr. Graham Zima, is in Honolulu. You lucky bastard, you. Living his best life. You mean you gotta... I'd give anything to be in Honolulu right now. <laughs> like, my dad was stationed there, and he tells me all these stories about how awesome it is. And I'm like, I think you just want to move back to Honolulu. And I'm pretty sure he would agree with me. So... Yeah, so today uh, we... Well, actually, first of all, we had an event a few days ago. Yes, we and did. we led a panel at uh, the Barnes & Noble here in the Milwaukee area. Uh, Bay Shore Mall. Uh, about The Handmaid's Tale. And we have one coming up in August. On August the, 22nd. Yep, August 22nd at 7 p.m. Bayshore Mall. We, are, we will post those details all on our social medias. Yes. Um, and it, it, unlike the last two, this is the one where um, we're going to do a lot more marketing for it. So it's going to get blasted all over the Zima Podcasting Network. And it's going to... I'm going to start to post more stuff about it. Because surprisingly... I wasn't expecting the turnout to be as well as it was, and we had such great, like, conversations about it, and... Yeah, our last one was fun. It was, um, we kind of wanted to use that time to be like, hey, let's suss this out, um, and we're just excited to have another opportunity to lead this discussion and just kind of basically geek out with people about uh, Margaret Atwood. So if you guys are in the Milwaukee area, you should definitely check it out. I definitely think we should also do an episode on The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, we, we are. We are. It's, um, this, this will be like a taste before the actual episode. Yes. Like a little uh, preview. I don't know, I don't know what, I know that Graham was mentioned to me that we might think about recording the thing, the whole thing, but I don't think that would work out the best, but I don't know. Maybe. That might happen. Maybe it might be a, <laughs> well, a special any, live episode. We don't know. In any ways, we'll, we will have an episode mm-hmm. on The Handmaid's Tale, because I am a huge Margaret Atwood fan. All right. She's the best. So, this is the part of the show that I don't like the most. It's when we're after we talk about some bad adaptations. It's fun, but it's so bad. It's fun, but bad. And... Ever since we started this this podcast, there's been one book that you've been dying for me to for us to talk about, and that would be Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Well, the this, Lightning that, Thief. The, yeah, it's truly horrific. It is honestly one of the worst. The movies. The, the, the movie. movies. The book is fantastic. Book's a lot of fun. I f- I fucking love the book. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's I'm not. I'm not looking like it was such a hard watch. Mac has a picture of how much I suffered. And yeah, it's hilarious. We're gonna put it on the our social media soon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll be able to see the pure just hatred and suffering and sadness on my face. So yeah, let's get into It's kinda hilarious. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the the book. And for those who don't know what the book is all about, so the Lightning Thief is the first book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Um, 
The story introduces the readers to Percy Jackson. He's a 12-year-old boy who's diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. And due to that and some strange events that seem to follow him wherever he goes, he's been in and out of multiple schools. On a school trip, he is attacked by one of his teachers who turns out to be one of the Furies. Um, Yes, straight up front, the, the Percy Jackson series, it's all based off of, well, it incorporates a lot of Greek mythology into it. Um, one of his other teachers, Mr. Brunner, um, his Latin teacher tosses Percy a pen and when uncapped, it transforms into a sword. Percy kills Mrs. Dodd, the, the fury, and he goes back to school and nobody seems to remember any of that happening. His best friend, um, he's more into, he's more in tune to, to what has happened than Percy knows at this point. Um, so when Percy goes home on the last day of school, his mother, Sally, is like, hey, we're going to go to the beach. We're going to escape our terrible living situation because Percy's stepdad uh, is a drunk. He's just the worst human being in the world. He's He's abusive. Um, And so as that night rages on, Grover comes with them and they are warned to flee. And that's when Percy starts to get a sense that he is not just a normal boy. And yeah. as events unfold, um, they be, they get chased by a minotaur and uh, Sally gets taken by the minotaur and then explodes in like a burst of light. Um, Percy and Grover make it to Camp Half-Blood. And Camp Half-Blood is where all the demigod children go. So he is told by Grover and Mr. Brunner, who is actually Chiron, um, the tr- the great trainer of Hercules and all these other heroes in Greek mythology. I didn't pick that up until the book. Yeah, yeah. He's um, a centaur. Yeah. <laughs> and... He's been so yeah. They Did tell he, him. Oh, oh go ahead. whatever I think of him, I think of the Disney Hercules where he's uh, Hercules. the Dan. <laughs> Sorry, what do you mean Hercules? <laughs> um, with the Danny DeVito as the little imp, the satyr that t- yeah. trains him. So whenever I think of that, I just think of Danny DeVito. But to be fair, <laughs> this movie could have been solved. A lot of its problems could have been solved if Danny DeVito played every single character. That movie, if I would watch that movie over the movie that we were forced to watch. Yeah, I would deal with the with, with the main issues of the film if it was just Danny DeVito. Think about that: Danny DeVito as Zeus, Danny DeVito as Percy Jackson. It'd be great. I'd love it's it. Annabeth Grover. He's Annabeth he's Grover. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so at he learns that he is half mortal, half god. And during his time in camp, he befriends several of the people there. He befriends this boy called Luke, who is the son of Hermes. He becomes friends with Annabeth. Well, they become friends later on. But this girl named Annabeth, and she's the daughter of Athena. And through a series of events during Percy's stay, Poseidon claims him as his son. So after a very dangerous game of Capture the Flag... And yeah, that's a shit's intense. <laughs> Dude, as a kid, I would have loved to have it, like capture the flag where swords were involved. Like this book was like my dream. I will get into that. I would when we I, discuss I, more I'd be about ter- I mean, I'm, the idea of you with a sword terrifies me. Oh, it's gonna. Uh, I, 
I what this is my grown up dream. So my dream when I grow up to be a full fledged adult is to have a ranch somewhere where I can have an armory and horses and just run around with swords. It'll be low. It'll low key be a run fair, but for me. <laughs> <laughs> A Ren fair, but just for me. Yeah. Selena Allen, 2019. <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, so through that dangerous game of Capture the Flag and a Hellhound that tries to kill Percy, Chiron sends Percy on a quest. So he... Percy goes, talks to the Oracle, and realizes that he has to retrieve Zeus's stolen lightning bolt and is... And that Zeus believes that it was taken by Poseidon. Poseidon, however, blames Hades for stealing it. And so in hopes of trying to not have World War III happen, um, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover go west with him in order to retrieve the stolen item. So they think Hades has it. So they go out west. And Percy also wants to go out west because he believes that he can save his mom from the um, underworld. Underworld, that's the word. Yeah. Um, throughout the quest, they realize that Ares has actually stone, stolen all the items. Percy fights the god of war and actually wins. Percy returns the helm because Hades was actually going after Percy because he thought that Percy had stolen Hades' helm of darkness. A lot of stolen items. Basically, Percy didn't steal them all. He returns them all to the gods. And Sally, uh, Hades returns Sally home safe. Um, after Percy returns the lightning bolt to Zeus, and he goes back to camp, it's revealed that Luke, in fact, stole those items for Ares. Not necessarily for Ares. Ares was being manipulated by Kronos, who was rising from the ground. Essentially, everything has been started because Kronos wants to come back and kill all the gods. Um, as, Kron- as Kronos does. As Kronos does. And Percy basically stopped that by just giving everything back. So it is a really fun, wild, like, adventure kind of book. And it's, the humor is pretty funny. And I, I don't know, as a kid who had ADD, well, who has ADD and dyslexia, I was like, I could be a demigod. I wasn't. ADD <laughs> represent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so Luke gets away with it and then it kind of the book kind of ends with well Percy's gonna try and survive the next school year and then it leaves it open for the next book of the series to mm-hmm. figure out how well they but the book itself it, like it all kind of concludes and it's whew, it's all great mm-hmm. so that's that's a quick, not so quick summary. <laughs> yeah, you really went into it, and I'm just kind of like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I I bear a lot of love for this book because I I want the there are things about the book where I'm like, mm, I want to like that a little different. So, like how they describe dyslexia is little bit. That's that's like one of the big myths about dyslexia is that you like letters actually move on the page. That should no. It doesn't. It doesn't move on the page. It's all. It's dyslexia is more about processing. Yes. And so it's like when you look at a word, you don't really know how to begin to figure out how that word's supposed to sound or how to like when it comes to spelling. It's like you can't really recall. Yeah. The rules. It's like so for me. 
how I memorize words, which is not necessarily how you are supposed to learn how to read or write. <laughs> you have to learn the rules and why things sound that way. But yeah. um, I had a lot of help because my parents were like, therapy. <laughs> well, not therapy. Let's get her some tutors. So well, that's I'm very nice. lucky in that sense. Anyways, so how did you get introduced to the book, Mac? I first got introduced probably in 2009 when I saw a giant ass um, like cardboard cutout thing at a movie theater for The Lightning Thief. Uh, do you remember the Star Cinema in Madison? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went and saw a movie there with a friend and it was there. And that's okay. where I first saw it. And she met, my friend mentioned to me like, oh my God, I can't wait to see it. It looks really good. And like, what the hell is it? She's like, it's like Harry Potter, but with Greek gods. And I'm like, oh, no wonder Chris Columbus is directing it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. So did you th- watch the movie? I saw the movie. Um, and then read the books? I saw the movie, then I read the books. My dad is the one who's really into the books. And um, he he watched the movie, then he, he loved the movie, so he went and read the books. And... He has this whole story about going to see the second one, Sea of Monsters, and being, like, one of the only people in the theater and laughing really hard when Nathan Fillion shows up because he plays a uh, character. He plays Hermes, <laughs> Hermes, which I was like, I love the casting of the movies. We'll get to this. We'll get to this. I'm, I'm trying to restrain, <laughs> like, my fangirl rage um, because, oh, it's it's bubbling within me <laughs> when it comes to this, this y'all, y'all are not ready. I, she's already kind of blown up to me about a bunch of stuff while we were watching the movie. Oh. And thank God we were a little intoxicated watching it because It didn't I, help. I couldn't have gotten through it. Like, like, I remember halfway through, I'm like, why the hell are we I remember halfway through, I was like why the hell are we still watching this? And then you just kind of turned to me and you're like Matt, do we have to finish this? It's like, and I'm like, yes, we must do it for the podcast. We must do it for our listeners. <laughs> uh, I think I don't know. I I listened to the audiobook, I think when I was around twelve or thirteen. Uh-huh. So at that time, I was like, oh, my God, I could be a demigod. <laughs> because, like, I was still, like, so butthurt that I didn't get my letter when I was 11 to go to Hogwarts. So I To was... be fair, that's <laughs> kind of... I mean, I, I wanted to be a wizard, too. So. Yeah, so I had to, like, look for another, like, fandom or something where I could be like, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, now you can, like go to a website and they'll send your kid like a letter when they turn 11 to go to Hogwarts. That we didn't have that shit 10 years ago. No, I, 10, 20, like 15 I years ago. when I was 11, like I wouldn't get it. But at the same time, I was like, I really hope so. Anyways. So I, I don't know. I bear a lot, of lo- a lot of love for this book. And I like how there's a lot of dark things in this book. Like the, the characters deal with feeling abandoned by their parents, feeling being um, rejected by society because of their ADD and their dyslexia and being being made to felt stupid, which I felt a lot in school. So I could relate to how they felt in those terms. Also, just um, they the book kind of talks about abuse in a way because um, Percy's mom... 
has been physically and emotionally abused by the stepdad. But the reason why she stayed, well, the reason that it's explained that she stayed with him is because he's so repugnantly human that he protected uh, Percy and kind of his aura was so like repulsively human that it hid Percy's demigod aura. So I'm just like, there's a lot of interesting things that are brought up in this book that is for children. And I think it's important that when there are adaptations, they don't try and take away some of those things. Cause I'm like, it's, I think it's important for kids to see, to have, not to sugarcoat things for kids and in books. Uh, it's still like a kid friendly book, but it's, I mean, to, but to, there are references to things to an extent. Like if you were like, if it's a really young book children's book i don't think you, you oh obviously no but i'm talking but when you're like, like between the ages of like eight and 12 there's like a whole section where like they, they're still trying to sugarcoat stuff mm-hmm. especially like working at a bookstore you see a lot of these books that are like they're designed for preteens but they still kind of make it way too much like, oh you're gonna be just fine in the real world and i'm like i think it's important to like explore some real world issues through yes, exactly fantasy and honestly my favorite books like when i read them again as i'm older i'm like holy shit that had some deep stuff in it and so i i don't know i i just think that's a really important thing because then you can revisit them and still get something out of those books so We'll just start moving into a little info about the book, and then I'll start ranting. How about that? You know what? <laughs> you go for it. All right, everyone. So last episode, it was me basically screaming about my love for Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> this one's going to be Selena screaming her hatred of this movie. So buckle up, get your popcorn. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, don't sell it too much. It might just cry and be like, it sucked. That's so, probably what makes it great, though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so for those who don't know, it was written by Rick Riordan. Riordan? Rear? I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, it was published in I didn't do my research. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. They don't have to know that. <laughs> they already do. I'll just edit it out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it was published in 2005. Um, and it actually came out with, the book came out with some good reviews. Um, an interesting story I found out about uh, the development of the book was that Rick Riordan made up the stories for his son who had been diagnosed with dyslexia, who had just been diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. And so his son was really into Greek mythology and Rick Riordan had been a Greek mythology teacher in middle school for many years and was able to remember enough stories to like tell his son. So they would have like this father son bonding time where Rick Riordan would come up with these stories or will tell him Greek mythology stories and then once he kind of ran out of those stories his son's like uh give me more content and so that's kind of where Percy Jackson and the lightning thief came out of interesting um, I didn't know that that's yeah it's, I don't know I was like oh that's so pleasant yeah <laughs> um so yeah, he sent his. He actually sent the manuscript for the Lightning Thief under a pseudonym, um, as he didn't want to rely on anyone in the publisher industry who had known his work, who known him through his previous work. Um, he got many rejections, but then an agent picked up the manuscript, and she liked his premise. So the in two thousand four, the book was sold to Miramax Books for like enough money that R- Riordan actually quit his job to focus just on writing. 
So I'm like, oh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that we found, actually, I don't know, Mackie, you could probably talk more about it because you were telling me that you found this, um, that they were, that they made a musical adaptation of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I think is just kind of hilarious. <laughs> As I understand, it's very much in the vein of a very Potter musical, if anyone knows about that one. Which I think when I first met you, you had, like, memorized half of it. Oh, I was a huge fan of it in high school. Like, I was thinking back, <laughs> I kind of was like that Tumblr fangirl. Not, I, I hope I wasn't as insufferable as I've seen other ones, <laughs> but <laughs> I like Doctor Who, Supernatural, and Sherlock. I was a Super Who Lock fan, like hardcore. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. And, and I, I remember memorized. those. I remember that, like when I somebody took introduced me to Tumblr and when I my first year of college. Oh, I was all up in that and I'm part of like, Tumblr. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Then I saw some of the fans. I'm like, oh. I didn't really get into uh, any of the drama. I just no. like, I I would, yeah, I would occasionally read some fanfic. I didn't write fanfic. I wasn't that level. Which is it? There's nothing wrong with fanfic. You know what's funny? Like there's I, some really good fanfics out there. Like there were specific Tintin ones that were like. Amazing. I mean, there's great Sherlock Holmes and like fanfics from back in the day. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting off topic. To so, be, uh, musical uh, adaptation. On topic. One more. One more thing. I did write a Harry Potter fanfic when I was like nine years old. Aw. Can I read it? If I can find it. <laughs> Basically, it's about like Harry like um, catching trolls. That's all I remembered about it. <laughs> okay. So. Yes, there was a musical adaptation. It was like a one-hour musical that was aimed at young audiences. Um, it was supposed to... Uh, it was. It hit the road on a nationwide tour in 2014. It was in New York City for a while. Um, it premiered... A two-hour version of it premiered off-Broadway at the Lucille Lortel Theater in New York City. I think it's New York City. And it ran from April 4th till May 6th. And... There was a cast recording that was released for it, and there was even this two the, the two hour long production would go on a national tour that began the fall of last year, twenty eighteen. So shit, I didn't know that was that recent. Yeah, I don't know if it comes around. Oh boy, I guess you'd uh, get mad at that one too, wouldn't you? I probably would if it was like a Harry a Harry Potter musical. Then I'd probably be a fan because I fucking love Star Kid product like those Star Kid people. Like, yeah. their musicals are so much fun. So I would probably be down. Alright. I guess we have to talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> so, there's a little bit of a... The Lightning Thief, like, the movie is kind of part of this whole subgenre of films that have come out. Most of them have started after the Harry Potter films came out. Where um, studios would start gobbling up as many... Um, book series as a po- uh, young adult series as, as possible because they were selling well and they saw they thought they saw dollar signs because of how well the Harry Potter movies were doing and a lot of them are series so it makes sense that they could make sequels and, and the usual they, they usually what they try to do is you know make one book one movie per book so you had stuff like <laughs> you had stuff like Good, good ones, you know, like Harry Potter, The Chronicles of Narnia. You had um, the Hunger Games. Yeah, the Hunger Games. Yeah, Yeah. which got really good, and they did the good thing of making Mockingjay a two-parter. Yeah. 
However, there were also some pretty big duds through that. I'm looking at you, Aragon. I'm looking at you, Inkheart. And I'm especially looking at you, Percy Jackson. Which, okay, this is where I'm going to differ from you a little bit, Selena. Yeah, the Lightning Thief movie's not great. But it compared to so many other horrible young adult film adaptations, it's much, it's not that bad. I guess, I guess. I like, they're, for me, I'm very biased. So, like, I can see how Aragon is, like, worse. But, yeah, I think I, I'm just very biased. When, when, we, t- when, when we eventually talk about Aragon, I have a hell of a story about okay. my cinematic experience with <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, so. So it was directed, this film was directed by Chris Columbus, whom is best known for directing the first two Harry Potter films on top of Home Alone and The Goonies, which, you know. Goonies you never say I, die. Never Sorry. say die. <laughs> no, no. To those who listen to our listeners, Selena and I, one of the first things we talked about was our mutual love of both Tintin and The Goonies. Yes. And the, found, the two, like, two pillars the of The pillars our, of our friendship. <laughs> like, there are many pillars, but those are two really strong pillars. Oh, yes. Along with Shakespeare. And <laughs> oh, that's true. Shakespeare and doing really stupid shit. <laughs> so the film stars Logan Lerman as Percy Jackson. Which is a good casting. Yeah, good casting. I, I, I will like say this. I like, I like the casting. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon T. Jackson, Alexandria Daddario. This is, this is pre-True Detective, so it's pretty crazy. Um, Jake Abel, uh, Rosaria Dawson as Persephone. Steve Coogan as Hades, which I love you, Steve Coogan. Why they decided to turn you into like a... They uh, made him into like the bootleg Mick Jagger and it was, oh, okay, we're, I'm going to get into it. Uh, go, 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 go. No, we're, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till we get to the, till you're done with all the facts and then I can vent. I'm holding it Okay, in, okay. All right. Um, Uma Thurman as Medusa. Catherine Keener as Percy's mom. Uh, Joe Panatalio. Um, most people know as the guy, well, the villain from Memento. Uh, Kevin McKidd, who plays Poseidon, who is also Tommy in Trainspotting. Sean Bean, old Ned Stark himself as <laughs> Zeus. And I will say, I'm glad that they left out Zeus's sexual appetites in the book and the movie. Oh, well, as a kid, like, they, like, oh. it's hinted, but it's in a very PG way. Oh, yeah. It's all very PG how they go about... Greek mythology, when Greek mythology is very much rated R. It's, it's beyond hard R, and, like, you could easily, like, write up. A lot of bestiality. Interspecies erotica. Okay. <laughs> That's, okay, yeah. Well, they aren't, they aren't human, so. That's true, but also. But still. If you could take the bo- a book of Greek mythology and just take out all the different people and animals Zeus has had sex with, you'd be losing at least 600 pages worth of information. <laughs> so, with that, um, oh. also Pierce Brosnan plays the centaur. What's the centaur's name? I forget. Chiron. Chiron, right, yeah. And the movie was released by 20th Century Fox in, on February 12, 2010. It cost $95 million to make, and it got very mixed reviews from critics and an absurdly negative response from fans, including you. <laughs> Uh, criticism went mostly to the unfaithfulness of the source material and its script, but the praise for Lerman's performance and the action sequence. Despite the response, it still grossed $226.4 million worldwide, which was enough to con- technically consider it a hit, despite the fact that 
nowadays, everyone hated it. Except well, yeah. For, and well, nowadays, most studios like if the movie has to make like it makes its budget back at least three times for it to be really considered a hit. Mm-hmm. So, during the production. Rorden was dis- disappointed with the changes made to the story and warned the studio that it would likely alienate the readers of the book series. It did. <laughs> that it was depending on to buy the tickets. In two emails commenting on the length of a draft of the script that he posted to his blog in 2018, he warned the studio that trying to make the story more attractive to a teenage audience by aging the characters and including some profanity in the script might make a significant portion of the book's readers to leave the theater in disgust long before the movie had ended. He also felt the introduction of Persephone's pearls as a plot device made no sense, having no basis in mythology and distracting Percy from the goal of recovering the stolen lightning. Which it did. <laughs> I don't even remember Persephone's pearls. What the that, hell was that? That was the whole thing with the pearls where they had to collect the pearls at each point in the movie. Oh, shit, that's right. Okay, so... Yeah. Now that we're so, done with the Selena, <laughs> Selena, does the film work on its own? Fuck no. It's boring as fuck. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, it is a dull work of moving images that don't make fucking sense. And the only thing that's good about it is the casting and occasion like the 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 visual effects are all right. That's a, a, a Do you nice... wish to elaborate on that? I hate it. <laughs> okay, what are some main differences between the book and the film <laughs> that you found the most egregious? The whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the book, like, the whole thing is that he's been given this quest to give... Base... Okay, so in the book, he's been given this quest to retrieve... Uh, Zeus's lightning bolt before the summer solstice, else there'll be a giant war between the gods, which it will translate to, like, World War Three on, on the human side. Um, and he is told that he has to do this because, like, one, his dad's been wrongly accused, but he's never met his dad. So part of him is like, kind of, fuck you, dad. And in his mind, in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm gonna do this to save my mom because you know, kill two birds with one stone. Whereas in the movie, they take out the whole, like, overhanging, well, there's going to be World War Three if he doesn't, you know, this child who barely has picked up a sword. He's been fighting. He's learned sword fighting for, like, a month. Now, shoot him off in the world where monsters want to kill him. Um, but he has to collect these three pearls to save his mom. And which is... Fine, but it, it just distracts from the whole point of the series, and I just I feel like the movie that they made and could have benefited benefited. Sorry, I'm getting so worked up that I can't speak. Benefited from actually sticking. Guys, closer, I'm terrified right now. <laughs> sticking closer to the source material, like I'm pretty much lax on like I understand that films can go word for word from the book but in this case it would have been better if they had actually stuck to the core of the story rather than changing because the book and the movie are entirely two different things they aren't the same at all the characters have the same names but other than that they're completely different and it doesn't fucking make sense whereas in the book like there's a lot of there's a lot of like threads that weave together but it's still more of an interesting story than what the movie is <sighs> 
So it's safe to say those differences don't work. No, they don't work. And I don't know, like, what did you think? Because, like, I, I'm hella biased. So. Okay, so... I remember seeing the movie and thinking, okay, that was kind of fun. And, like, I guess without ever reading the book, it's fine. It's just fine. I didn't... It's not something that I necessarily would go out of my way to go and buy. It's not a movie that I would, like, go tell my friends, oh, my God, you got to see Percy Jackson. so great. <laughs> but I, I can admit, like, it also just reeks of post-2000s, early 2010s kind of schlock. It really... And yeah. that with, like, the scene where they're all dancing, the poker face, the Lotus Casino, which I think that was actually a really cool idea in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the only... My only criticism, and maybe they talk about it better in the book, is why the hell... What what does the, the casino get out of people just staying there all the fucking time? It's... I can't... It's a certain, um, oh my gosh, why am I blinking on the name? It's um, a specific thing in Greek mythology where it's the lotus fields of something. And it's kind of like... Yeah, you know, from the Odyssey. Yeah, and you know how... Land Wizard, of the Lotus Eaters, yeah. Yeah, so you know how in, like, um, the poppy field in Wizard of Oz, it's like that, where uh, it just traps you there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. get... It's not not really. It's not explained in the book what they get, but it's they want to. It's like they're kind of feeding off of you. Okay. Uh, and in the book, um, the it wasn't like a casino. It wasn't Vegas, but it was like this fancy ass hotel. Think like Mall of America, geared straight like two kids. So there's games, arcades, everything, ah. and you get like unlimited cash cards, and you eat all the the junk that you want, and it's specifically to feed off of children. Oh. I I feel bad thinking that like I'd probably oh I'd go there in a heartbeat yeah I would go there in a heartbeat but like the thing is like you want to stay there so much that you forget and then like you think you've only been there for hours and in fact you've been there for days or Um, years or years um so and the whole thing like like I understand. I guess that they were like, well, it's so there's a lot of story plot going on, like Ares stole it and but if you're if they had it in mind to do a sequel, like it would make sense to be like Kronos. Kronos is the actual bad guy in all of this, and he's been manipulating Ares and Luke to start a war with the gods to distract them while he rises up out of the pit in uh in the underworld. Yes. And I'm like, that would have been more compelling than him, like, them like, I guess we got to get these pearls that don't make sense, you know? There was also another thing that I loved, and, like, for some reason, when I, I came across this in the book, I also came across this, like, thinking, was how in the movie, Hades is made off as, oh, I'm a bad guy, I'm Steve Coogan. This is my Steve Coogan impersonation. No, he, he's like... It's terrible. He's like a... They're like, okay, it makes sense in the book... Uh, the underworld is in L.A., which makes sense. Because yeah, L.A. is the underworld. Like, it's underneath L.A. And, um, but in the book, Hades is, like, this dark, foreboding, like, quiet guy. And as the story progresses, it's like, Percy comes to realize that he's kind of, like, not, he's he's not good, but he's 
not as evil as everyone says he is and that he actually kind of feels bad for him because he's been banished to the underworld and he's not having a great time. Oh, yeah. And in the book, he's just like this like cartoon. I mean, in the movie and he's in this he's a cartoon and I never want to see Steve Coogan. He's, he's basically saying in those Jagger. tight leather pants that like they're the worst leather pants you could like yeah. pick out for Steve Coogan. Yeah. Well, when I when I read that part in the book, one thing that I found was it reminded me a lot of the Hellboy in Hell story arc. So basically in that one, and also um, coming soon, we are going to talk about Hellboy. We see you, new Hellboy movie. We're and we coming are not, for you. We're coming for we're you. We're ready to rip you to shreds. I am not going to have fun because <laughs> I love those fucking comics. But in the Hellboy in Hell comics, uh, Satan is kind of like the Queen of England where... He's there, he doesn't do anything, and he doesn't really, there is no real, he has no real purpose there aside from Mm -hmm. being like the, like kind of like a puppet kind of a thing. So everybody can see it and say, oh, Satan's doing stuff, but he's really not. So that's kind of how I get Hades is sort of in this story, in this world. Yeah, he he honestly, um, there's a bit where Percy's like, well, you stole the bolt to start this war so you could expand your kingdom because that's what the other gods were thinking. Well, that's what uh, Poseidon was thinking and what people have told Percy. Well, it's like, it makes sense. He'll get more dead and his kingdom will expand. Well, when he tells Hades this, he's like, fuck no, my kingdom's already like overrun. There's And he and it's kind of hilarious in the book because he's talking about like administration stuff and how he has to like personally go and deal with these issues and that there's backups at like all the checkpoints of like who goes into like Elysium. Elysium? Elysian Fields. Yeah. And um, Elysium, yeah. Yeah. And just in so Hades basically says, no, I don't want more people. It's exhausting working in, in the underworld and being the boss of the underworld and having to process all these dead people. Um, okay. So I, and then Persephone wasn't even in the book and they make Persephone in the film. The thing that like I thought is just so distracting is that they made Persephone like, like, the sex-starved woman who's just, like, wanted to bone this child satyr. And I was like, that's just... That's just fucking weird. And, like, I remember being more, like, appalled by all the, like... Because in my mind, I was like, these are children who are just, like, going on an adventure. And then in the movie, I was like, why are these... Why is this woman who's supposed to play a 12-year-old look like a goddamn 30-year-old? Is this Grease? (sighs) I have so many things that just... And then they didn't even have Harry's and I'm like, uh, Aries and I'm like, he's a good, you know, bad guy. Ugh. As I understand, he they shot stuff with him, still with Ray Weinstone playing Aries, but it was uncredited and they cut the scene, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that would have been dope, though, because I yeah. love Ray Weinstone. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's safe to say that I'm just so-so with the movie with the movie i do like the book a lot Mm -hmm. um but it seems to me that you love the book and you just yeah (laughs) i do despise the movie it was such a struggle i kept looking at mac like can we please stop you were yeah it was it was kind of hysterical that i'm gonna start watching like okay this is happening and you just i just turn over and you're like mac Please. It's so awful. You were like Alex DeLarn in Clockwork Orange. He's just like, ah, I don't like this. 
<laughs> that was you. Basically. Yeah. Anyways, if I guess if you do watch it, just know that it, if you've read the book, just know that you're watching a completely different story that's very different than the book, the source material, and that the core of it is very different. I, so in, I would say it's a bad adaptation because it's, they made their own like original film with the names of the, like the characters, the names are the same. Yeah. The general path is God, maybe similar, but not really. Mm-hmm. And, but other than that, like they're just two different entities. And I had to like realize that while watching. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm worked up in furious in the first 10 minutes. Like this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of hilarious. It was a struggle, and I'm glad it's over with. <laughs> well, yeah. This I, did, I did like rereading the book. It was fun. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm, 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 I enjoyed reading the book. Yeah. And it was a lot of... Like you said, like it, it, it's kind of... It's masquerades as a children's book, but there's some pretty dark stuff in there, and I do like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of shit that I'm really into. It's like low fantasy type of children's books where there's a very serious and dark message hidden in this. I mean, that's probably why I abide, why I, abide, why I tend to go more towards Neil Gaiman's work or um, especially the works of Patrick Ness, like Monster Calls and the Chaos Walking trilogy. Mm-hmm. Which, that'll, that there's a movie coming out based on the Chaos Walking trilogy too, so. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. Okay, so, to wrap it up, um, I gotta say, it was a lot of fun talking about this. Um, once again, it was very therapeutic. For it me was to therapeutic about for it. you. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen you this mad in my life. It's it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. Like it just brings out this deep seated rage that I felt in the theater when I watched it. Like I paid <laughs> I paid money to see it, and then me and my friends just shit talked it like the whole time. And this kid next to us, he was so mad. He had he was like white knuckling the seat, just like shut the fuck up and I was like no I paid my good money to yell at this screen like <laughs> that's how I was when I saw the host like in 2012 wait the Stephanie Meyer yeah huh I, 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 I never read the book but I saw the movie I went on a date and I saw it with a girl and literally 45 minutes into the movie she turns to me and she goes do you just want to go get Culver's I'm like yeah so we left the fucking movie. We didn't even care that we didn't we didn't get our money back because it was like after thirty minutes, and we just sat and talked about how fucking awful that first forty five minutes of the movie was, <laughs> and that's literally I have never watched the host since then, and yeah. Maybe we'll do it just to make you suffer. Maybe, and that would make me hurt more because I love Shersha Ronan so much. <laughs> But, I forgot, yeah, she's in it. Yeah. So, I, love anyway, her. <laughs> I do too. Anyway, so once again, we want to extend an invitation to you all. On August 22nd, Thursday, we're going to be at Barnes and Noble at Bayshore Mall. We will be doing a helping with a discussion called Escaping Gilead, a Handmaid's Tale fan discussion. Selena and I will be there and we will be talking to anybody who wants to come in and talk about the book. Talk about the movies, or the, movies. Show. the show. I'm I'm all caught up on season three now. So I'm catching up. I'm like half, almost towards the end of season two. Okay. So I'm like, oh, season. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be rough. It's, it's gonna be rough. But and we will eventually do an episode on The Handmaid's Tale. Maybe this Christmas. 
What a, what a great Christmas present. Yeah, it's a great Christmas story. Great story, guys. Great story. <laughs> no, it is a great story, but just it's a, it's yeah. a little it's a little rough. So yes, we would love to see your beautiful faces there. Um, yeah, geek out with us. Please do. So, Let's talk about how What's-Her-Face is a Scientologist. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> so, you can follow me at MaxiGrape on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Selena at S- Selena M. Allen on Twitter, and then... Isn't there, like, a... Um, oh, no, 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 in your, in your profile, there's, like, a, a crescent moon. Oh, there's swords. Oh, there's swords. swords. Okay. But that's how you'll distinguish me. And then Instagram is... I think it's Selena and Allen again. Yeah. Um, and we also have a Time to Adapt Instagram, uh, Time to Adapt Podcast. And you can find it through the Zima Podcasting Network. Yep. As well as our email, because we still would love to hear from you all. You sound so like, please. please. No. <laughs> Just, yeah, if you if you feel like it, go for it. Yeah. If that's <laughs> Time to Adapt, Zima at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll see a few of you, if you're in a Milwaukee area human, uh, at the this Handmaid's discussion. All right, and do we know what our next episode's going to be? Nope, it'll be a surprise. All right, just like every time. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm still kind of in the vein of a bad move, like a like a bad adaptation, but something that's a little less torturous for me. Maybe something torturous for you. Okay. So we're, we'll, we're, we'll, we're, we'll we have it. some things on a list yes, of fun things to do. So all right. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this has been time to adapt. <laughs>